I'm author and critic David Agronoff. I'm a horror and science fiction author, critic, and researcher. In this podcast, I wanted to provide in-depth interviews and panel discussions with everyone from New York Times bestselling authors to researchers, musicians, and anyone I find interesting. Welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. Welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. Um, I am your host, David Agronoff, author of Punk Rock Ghost Story and The Last Night to Kill Nazis, uh, which is out in bookstores um, by the time you hear this. So please run out and find it. Um, It's my first national release, so I'm super stoked on it. Um, So my guest today is filmmaker Izzy Lee, writer, producer sometimes actor, sometimes voiceover person, um, Izzy Lee, who's, uh, I believe I saw My Monster, I think, first at HIF, um, and saw you do a Q&A, and so you've been on my radar ever since, um, and have been waiting with bated breath for your first uh, feature-length film, which we're going to talk about later, but uh, Izzy, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here to talk all things horror films. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I am very stoked to talk to you about like, we're going to talk about some of your films and some of them are available online for people to, to catch up to some they uh, might have to catch at uh, film festivals. And um, we're eventually going to talk about the uh, campaign you're starting to fund your uh, first feature film. Um, and I, I'm uh, amazed that you uh, haven't had um, one of the big uh, studios start throwing money at you, but that's just me. Um, and you also have recently finished writing in a novella that is going to be published soon. So we will get to that eventually <laughs> as well. What came first? Film love or horror? Horror. Um, they, they, they kind of were intertwined. I mean, ever since I was super small, we're talking like four or five years old, um, I fell in love with horror films. And um, yeah, Roger Corman, AIP, Vincent Price, The Co-Cycle, you know, like Edgar Allan Poe was just formative and so was Corman and Vincent Price like those lush beautiful adaptations that he made which are currently on Criterion channel right now if you guys want to stream it if you haven't seen it oh my god treat yourself (laughs) now I personally think his black and white uh film with William Shatner uh the intruder is is Corman's uh kind of unsung masterpiece but I do love all those AIP Corman movies, they are very good. I saw them with from a horror host, um, Sammy Terry, that we had in Indiana. Did you have, like, were, you grew up in, art? now I knew you were starting your film career in Boston. Did you grow up in Boston? I did, yeah. Um, just south of, and then a little bit in New Hampshire. But what I saw, it, I don't know if there was a host. I don't really remember. It was uh, Channel 56 WLVI Creature Double Feature. And um, yeah, like I grew up on Godzilla 
and the post stuff and all those crazy, you know, atomic age, radioactive, uh, you know, movies like them and uh, <laughs> stuff. Yeah, like we were really lucky. We had a guy with a green face who talked to a spider on a string named George. <laughs> and he would introduce all the movies. That's how I first saw Phantasm, by the way, was on Sammy Terry. But mostly he did Hammer films. And for us in Indiana, like a lot of times because it was Friday nights and it was late. And if I had school, I would just start the VCR and yeah. they would show Black Belt Theater after um, after that. So I got all these crazy double features of Hammer movies and Shaw Brothers movies. And they were. Oh, man. Beautiful. Were, yeah, golden. So do you have so the Roger Corman ones were were big ones, but do you have ones that you remember uh, when you got a little bit older or when you were starting to go to see movies in the theater and where you were starting to like notice styles and yeah. like what it took to be, you know, filmmakers? Uh, yeah, I mean, my God, um, I didn't become a filmmaker until far later. But the Hammer films were also way up there in terms of influences. <laughs> I just, you know, I have a really scarlet, red, a crimson soul. And um, that stuff was always just so alluring, you know. Um, mm -hmm. An American Werewolf in London, I saw way, way, way too early, um, which also <laughs> fascinated the hell out of me and scared me. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I just couldn't get enough. Um, I also saw Predator very young in the theater. <laughs> Believe it or not, in Robocop. Well, I actually share a birthday. I actually <laughs> share a birthday with Paul Verhoeven, which I'm very proud of. Yeah, when I was in seventh grade, my father took me to see Hellraiser because I was already a Clive Barker reader. <laughs> And it was funny because I have a very distinct memory of because the next week, Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter's was coming out and I'd already asked for him to take me to that. And halfway through Hellraiser, he leaned over to me and said, somebody else is taking you next week. <laughs> which is not, which is better than you're never watching this shit again. It was Man. somebody else is going to go through this. And, um, but, you know, hey, at least he wasn't, like saying no you can't do this now so when you were watching these hammer movies were you a fango kid were you reading about the making of movies because i think that a lot of people that kind of took the next step to wanting to do these things it's because like other kids just watched like movies but the but the fango kids are reading about how they're made and right. who's making them and learning the names right Right. I mean, oh my God, you know, you would open up a Fango and you would see George Romero's beautiful work and you would see Tom Savini all over the place. You would see um, all sorts of articles on the special effects were just glorious. Oh my God. Um, those special effects guys in the 80s were absolute rock stars, man. Um, I did oh, yeah. a bit of effects myself on some of my shorts, but you know, it was, it was nowhere near, you know, working in a full shop or anything like that, but mad respect. I love, love, love practical effects. You watch an American werewolf London. It still holds up. How many years later, 40 years later, um, phantasm still fucking amazing. You know, every, everything, every single zombie, well, maybe not every single zombie, um, it depends on the, the movie with the Romero right. films, but well, love... yeah, but 
and that's the thing is a lot of kids they grew up with baseball players or football players that were their heroes and you know for me it was like john carpenter and clive barker and you know stephen king and these like were more than just names to me and for me it was uh speaking of the richard or the uh, roger corman aip movies the the one that really changed everything for me was seeing richard matheson's name on the spine of a book because I had seen his name on the Twilight Zone in Star Trek as, you know, written by. And then I was like, oh, this is a real guy that's doing this, you know, that's writing these. And maybe one day I could be one of them. And um, so, you know, you've, you've talked about the Roger Corman. Would you consider um, at, at what point did you did your movie taste start to change where you were formulating some of the influences that your um you know, using today, like, cause I'm sure they're different a little bit, but you probably started as a, as a young person, like having certain names or filmmakers that, that you gravitated to, right? Yeah. I mean, John Carpenter is still my number one Carpenter, Cronenberg, Lynch, my God, like just absolute Titans. Um, I an, another um, program I watched quite a bit was Monster Vision, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs, um, way way back, and that was where I first saw the Phantasm movies um, and The Brood, which I still love so fucking much. You cannot get better than Oliver Reed as a very intense um, pseudo psychiatrist go through it go all the way through it you know what i mean with my very poor um accent there but right it, it was formative and then then i watched the shining on my 16th birthday and invited some people over and i don't think that they they liked it as much as i did but that's fine that's okay so yeah so you, you you've been a horror soul forever huh so forever born yeah. bread all right, so let's go through. So, would you say that? So, let's go through some of the the giants and and go through what some of your favorites are. Um, all right. All right. Uh, so, Carpenter. Who? What? What's your What's your go to favorite Carpenter? The first? thing. The thing. Okay. The thing. Holy, holy shit! I love it so much. The dread, the atmosphere, the acting. That dog, that lead dog that they had, was incredible. The practical practical effects by Rob Bottin, like, Jesus, I, I cannot ask for more <laughs> in a fucking horror film. It is just so incredibly well-crafted and it's nihilist as hell. I love it so much. Um, I agree with you that it's his best. Um, Prince of Darkness has a special place in my heart because it's science fiction and horror mm -hmm. and the first one I saw in the theater as I've mm -hmm. already commented on. But Cronenberg, um, what's your favorite Cronenberg the brood the brood okay yeah I saw that um I wasn't able to go but um like a decade or so well a long time ago Clive Barker hosted a screening of the brood at the new Beverly <laughs> and um was like did like an intro and um I was just like my god like how incredible would that have been so the brood you've talked a little bit about that but um like uh for for me, it's Videodrome, but I'll give you that the Brood is is one of the best early examples of what Cronenberg was doing. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, it's just, it's really intense. 
you know what I mean? And, you know, he, he sort of based it off of this divorce he was going through uh, at the time. But the thing is, I have, I don't want to say a lot of childhood trauma, but I relate to those characters, which is, you know, let's not talk about that, but <laughs> it's, um, I can, you know, it, it, it is, it is a special movie for me. It's just so intense and, um, it's validating in a way, if you've yeah. been through a lot of, you know, um, certain family dynamics, you know, so to speak. Well, and it's a movie that if you have patience for, uh, really <laughs> rewards the patient viewer. It's um, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the brood. Um, but again, my favorite would be Videodrome, but, uh, um, you can't go wrong with pretty much any Cronenberg, um, any era, in my opinion. Um, all right. So Romero. That is a hard choice. Romero is so fucking good. Oh my God. If I had to pick one, is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or favorite. Mm. I'm just giving people a baseline here of, of, right. of who they're talking, who they're right. uh, listening yeah. to. Um, my God, I really dig Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Day of the Dead was terrifying. Yeah. And Bub the zombie. I mean, man. Yeah. And recently added to Hulu, I believe. So like, oh, good. yeah, people can watch that. I think I saw that the other day that it was added and it was interesting to me. Yeah, that that one is good. I, I think it's um, I think the way it mirrors the. uh kind of decay and slow death of the world like where it's less bombastic than the last one i i think really really works uh wes craven and then i'll i'll give you um dealer's choice serpent in the rainbow okay saw that one in the theater yeah amazing how was it it was, was great uh opening day um yeah. yeah it was really weird though like for a yeah. young for a young person yeah <laughs> um but serving the rainbow yeah that's a that's a good pick um yeah it's a it's it's a left field pick partially too because i think you know a lot of people uh underestimated that movie because of the whole based on true story based on a book by an anthropologist kind of thing but um yeah west craven was going really weird on that one so yeah i and i love weird and i love surreal and creepy and terrifying and intense right I yeah. think if I only had to pick one Wes Craven, I'd pick People Under the Stairs. But, oh, that's so good. Yeah. But um, I think Serpent in the Rainbow is a great pick. So and now, Dealer's Choice, anything from 80s, from the 80s. How about that? Hmm. Anything that from I've the 80s. Missed. And it that you've missed? That we've missed here in this oh. discussion that we haven't oh. already talked about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Favorite 80s. There's so many. Oh my God. I can, I can list like a whole bunch right now. You know, get, yeah. You can give me, a, give me five then. Halloween three, none of the creeps, monster squad. That's three Robocop. I do consider horrific in a very specific sort of way. Um, Escape from New York is not horror, but it's again, adjacent for me, creep show. Man, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. I'm having trouble thinking. Aliens, because Alien was 79. Yes. That's so, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. 80s. And that was one that I was able, my father took me to, and he actually didn't hate it, like, <laughs> which was interesting. But I think that's the power of James Cameron and his, like, can make anything relatable. Um, so so now we got a good baseline for what your influence was, influences are. Tell us about the process of becoming a filmmaker. Like, when did you decide, like, this is something that I want to do? And um, I think one of the things that's unique about horror as a genre is it's very similar to punk rock in the sense that um, many people feel empowered as a part of the community to just say, I'm going to do this. Right. And um, so how, where did you come to the conclusion that you were going to make horror movies yourself? Well, I was, I started writing and acting when I was in like kindergarten, first grade. Um, I made this mopey emo vampire short film in high school, which I have no idea where it went and that's fine. Um, I made a couple more shorts in college. I was at art school at Mass Art in Boston. I had this intro to video class and my um my instructor told me because this was just an elective this wasn't for my major which is illustration um you should be a filmmaker and i was like <laughs> i'm not a rich white straight guy um because you know back then um only a handful of women were given the reins to direct films so it wasn't anything i was told by society that i was allowed to do my options were makeup artist or actress you know for the most part um and when I got out of college, I started as a uh, film festival programmer for Boston Underground and then eventually Boston Sci-Fi. Um, and then a, a genre journalist, which, you know, I did a lot of writing for Rumorg, Diabolique, a um, couple of blog posts back in the day for Fangoria.com under like a way different uh, leadership than it is now. Eventually, Birth Movies, Death, and Screen Anarchy, which used to be Twitch film before Twitch, the gaming company, came on and all they that. They changed the name, yeah. They did, but there was a settlement and everything, yeah, behind the scenes, but uh, they did. Um, I, I was very fond of that website back in the day, so like, yeah. that's where you got foreign film news. You couldn't get get it anywhere else, right? Yeah, it was, it was kind of difficult. Um, but when I was still programming and, and still doing genre journalism, it was then that I really got sort of the bug to dive head into horror films because I had been a writer, I've been an actor, you know, been writing about films and reviewing them and interviewing uh, filmmakers. And I had done a lot of illustrations and paintings and stuff. And it was just the natural progression. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this but I'm just pissed off enough to try. And uh, <laughs> well, here we are. And I don't know if you would feel like you could say this, but I think that there's got to be a point when you're writing about movies, but there's got to, there had to be a point where you were inter interviewing some dopey dude who made, who somehow made a movie and you thought to yourself, I can do better than this jackass, right? Or this there had to have been one movie where you were just like, how the hell did this get made? I can do so much better than this. Oh, well, that Go continues through. to this day. Um, yeah. But it was it was more so um, that I always felt something was missing. And I would say, you know, return home from Fantasia feeling really sad. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why. 
Um, and it was just like, I needed to join my people, but I didn't know how. And the filmmakers, these horror filmmakers and sci-fi filmmakers were my people. And until I started making films and even, even like a few years in, um, I didn't feel that comfortable, but yeah, it, that was really the impetus. Like, like, I, I don't know why I feel sad leaving these amazing festivals. What, what is, what is going on with me? And it was, it was that I needed to just jump in and join them. Well, and, I, and I'm not saying that every time there's, there's a, um, an idiot or somebody, <laughs> but there, but there, for a lot of us, there's the time where you read a book where you're like, I can do better than this. Right. right. Or, right. you know, I, I have ideas too, and I can make this happen. And I, I think it's a, it's a powerful moment for an artist to sit down and say, for one thing, like, I know I can do this, but then you have to put, you know, ass plus chair, to Same. to the hard work of writing work. and or and in the case of filmmaking you have to put together a team to actually <laughs> make things physical yes right and now having directed 23 short films over the course of my life um definitely not all of them on indb um and writing a book i can say that they're both excruciating in different ways writing a book is fucking way easier because of you don't need money to hire people right. to rent locations, to buy props, to this, that, and the other thing. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's, there's certainly as somebody who's written screenplays and written books, I, there's times where I, I definitely make the decision like, no, that, yeah, this would definitely be easier as a book. <laughs> right and uh you know you have to weigh sometimes also one of the things with the the reality of the business today is that having and controlling ip is really really important so if you can write a book and control your 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 rights that way then that's also a smart thing to do so for you to jump into writing books i'm sure that's part of the calculation i'd imagine but um, also just uh, I know that the, the creative juices of it are, are, are another thing. And we'll get to your book in a little bit. But, you know, in your journey, which do you consider the first short film where you feel like you captured the vision that you had in your mind and you're like, hell yeah, I did that. Because if you've made like close to 23, I've seen maybe seven, six or seven of them. And I've seen a couple at Film Fest yeah. um, as a regular goer to HIF for many years. Like I, I saw your work there. I seen you do Q and A's. So, you know, I've seen some of your work, but do, do you have one that you're like, bam, that's it. I did it. We did it. Um, well, I have two answers for that. Um, so making these films has been my own film school, having not gone to a proper film school. Um, Onset experience is the best film school you will ever have, you know, and, and I've heard this from people who have gone to film schools, um, which are amazing if you have the money to go. I'm not knocking them. Um, 
it's just very difficult to spend all of that money where you could just spend it on a film and learn by right. doing. So I think the first film that I got that feeling from was Postpartum, which also stars Casey Lansdale and Diana Porter. We shot that in Massachusetts. And I think we premiered 2015 at the Nacogdoches Film Festival. And that was fun, you know, to go down there to her, her, her hometown and, you know, her, her dad, Joe, was um, not an organizer, but, you know, in with the organizers and he was around and brought in George R.R. Martin. And that was pretty cool. That film postpartum was the first time I was like, I really got what I needed to say. The second answer to that. Now, and I should say, I did see that one at HIF. I'm, I'm positive yeah. you guys did that one at HIF. The yes, we first did. First year we did the campfire readings and, and, and yeah. yes. And that was um, that was excellent, and and um, that particular screening had a great energy. I remember that very, very, very. Fun. That was, I mean, horrible imaginings. I hope Miguel can bring it back because it was such a fucking great festival. It's been one of my favorites that I've ever played. Um, so the second answer was uh, is Memento Mori, which is a much newer film of mine. I shot it last year. And I'm choosing that because it is the film that is almost 100%. Um, the vision in my head is what you see on the screen. And, it's and that's super a very short one, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't it was, seen it yet, but it's very short. Like, yeah, it's a micro short. It's a minute and 16 with credits. And it's because um, I entered this little um i want to i don't want to say little but a micro festival um the nyx 13 minutes of horror and um the stipulations were every film has to be a minute long before credits or less Uh, it has to be sci-fi horror and i got in and i closed out the 13 with lucky number 13 memento mori and collectively we won a rondo award this year for the anthology yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And you're, you are in it as well too, right? Like barely, I do okay. a little bit of voiceover and then it's my arms and my hands grabbing my actress from behind. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's really cool. Um, and so I've seen at least one of those. Um, I uh, appreciate that because the thing is, is no matter how hard you try, like to be able to actually, I know for filmmakers and writers, we're always going to see like, you know, the zipper and the, on the suit because like, we're always going to wish we had more money, more time, more, more things to do things. But um, at the same time, you've made several, um, you know, shorts along the way that I, um, that I think are really impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, one that I know was a really good crowd pleaser is my monster um, which is which is a horror comedy and very very funny. Um, <laughs> the uh, the shot of the um, ex boyfriend outside the window wearing his boxing gloves is is absolutely hilarious. Um, this one is one that people can see on YouTube, correct? Yes, it is on the Alter um, YouTube channel. Right, and yeah. it's um, it's very good. Uh, I recommend people check it out. What was the impetus in this one? Um, that was me being in LA 
um, living there for the first time and wanting to make something with friends. And that was starring Bria Grant and Adam Egypt Mortimer, who are both directors uh, primarily. Breyer was more of an actor a couple of years ago back then, but she was also um, directing more and writing more. And then the the monster stars <laughs> my husband, Steve. And uh, we got an amazing makeup artist. I, I went down yeah. to motion picture effects in Burbank and bought these foam appliances for this creature thing. And she applied them and painted them and made it look like something really incredible. And uh, yeah, so... It, it was fun. That was a one day shoot, believe it or not. Run and oh, gun. wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, that was what's very put together for one day. It was lensed by Shaheen Seth, who is married to uh, Sarah Adina Smith, who is the director behind Buster Ismail Hart and many other wonderful shows and movies. So he's very talented. So I, I want to make sure to give him a lot of credit, but it was really fun doing all that horror and all that comedy at the same time. I've really developed a taste for it over the years. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's joyous. I need to do more. <laughs> yeah. And there's one other one that was on, that's on Alter that people can find on YouTube, right? Yes. Rights of Vengeance, which is... Oh yeah, that very atmospheric, short, short, short film. What's the impetus on that one? Um... I don't trust the church and it's it's me letting off steam about that where you know i've had friends that have been abused by priests and growing up in massachusetts there's there's been a lot of it um and we shot in a chapel in massachusetts actually and um yeah that was also one day shoot believe it or not <laughs> well what's cool about it is is that you got to show like a lot of your ability for doing atmosphere and for doing um you know working with effects and doing those things so it's a good showcase for for your ability um in in that way so i appreciated that one and the last short i want to talk about and the one that i found to be the creepiest you were returning to work with casey lansdale on um rehome yeah. is it rehome i know i said it wrong the first time too it's rehome yep the, right ed yes, yes. And um, this was probably my favorite of the um, ones that I watched in the last couple of days to prepare for this. It's a very creepy atmosphere, um, very intense, uh, great performances, and you did a really good job um, capturing everything. So what was the impetus for, for this, this film? So I'm often inspired by the news, unfortunately, in a very angry way. Um, <laughs> This was in 2018 uh, when we shot and it was all about Trump and his bullshit wall at the border. And um, it, it was when he started to have all, all of these really horrific policies that um, created a lot of suffering. And so it's a commentary on that. It's it's more of a, a lo-fi sci-fi slash thriller horror in um, the sense that it's dystopian and near future type of thing. Um, and, and now you have, and I, I don't know if this is real or not, but I saw a photo and it's just horrific. Like somebody is putting rotating circular saws 
messaged at, sorry, sandwiched between buoys in a river from, you know, that's, that's migrants cross to get to the US and it's just like, you're maiming people because they want a better life. Are you fucking kidding? Like, it's just, yeah. So politics are unfortunately a source of fodder because I get so upset. Yeah, like, and the um, other horror and sci-fi writers. <laughs> as the long time, the long time vegan in me also liked the the little um, uh, <laughs> visual image at the end. I'm not going to give it away so people can <laughs> see it if, uh, and not be ruined. But I liked the little uh, thing you got the in last there. touch there, and the I last think, little touch there. And I um, think it might be still on Shutter. If anyone has Shutter, uh, it's part of the Etheria Collection season six. If not, I, it might also be on Tubi as part of the Etheria Collection. Okay, well there you go. Um, so let's talk, and we're going to get into the the most important thing here very soon, which is the um, the uh, Kickstarter you're starting for your feature film. But yes. first, let's talk about that novella. Like, what was the oh. impetus? And I've been following since I I remember <laughs> you posting like. Hey, I think I'm going to do this. Like whenever he started this, that you were going to write this. And I remember being one of the people that was like trying to be encouraging, like, yeah, you can do this. <laughs> you could do this. Um, uh, Cause I do remember you posting about like, I think I want to write a novella. So you did it. Right. I did it. I just turned in edits to my publisher the other day and I am unbelievably relieved. <laughs> right now <laughs> i'm meeting it's with done my, right yeah I, I think it's done if they have another round fine i don't know we'll see i hope not because i don't know how much left to have in me <laughs> i added another twenty thousand words um but i get to meet with my cover artist i think coming up this week and i'm super excited about that because it's the same cover artist as this other anthology that i'm in called haunted reels which is all genre stories from genre filmmakers like Cargill, who co-wrote Doctor Strange and the Black Phone adaptation of Joe Hill's story and Sinister, you know what I mean? And Aaron Moorhead, David Lawson, and um, Justin Benson of Rustic Films. Those guys are fucking amazing. Gigi Socorero, Bria Grant. Jay Baruchel has a story in there. It's like, it's insane. Anyway, my cover artist, Holly Cheapens, is incredible. And I'm really looking forward to working with him. Um, so what can you tell us about uh, to tease us about what the novella is about? All right. So it is about a woman who has the ability to see aberrations on someone's face when they lie to her. So not only is that a very disturbing thing, but she's investigating um, her mother's cold case disappearance. Her mother was an actress in the 70s and disappeared. And so there's a lot of uh, sprinkles of Hollywood true crime in there that um, sometimes are funny, sometimes they're disturbing on a psychological level because um, we're dealing with a lot of human drama, human emotions, psychological things. Um, and then, you know, there's also a possession story in there too. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it sounds it's really like great. it's got a Hollywood noir um, thing going to it too. A little bit, and, and, yeah. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, good. That uh, sold. Um, yes. I like Hollywood noirs uh, in, in general. 
Um, well, and so who who's publishing this and when is it coming out? It would be Dark Matter Inc. And Dark Heart Books is the imprint there, which was led by Sadie Hartman, our mm. wonderful friend. And that is February 13th, 2024, just in time for Tainted Love Valentine's Day, because there's a lot of that in there too. <laughs> Sadie has been on this podcast. She was on uh, the panel for, she was on our panel for uh, top 10 horror novels, where we did four of us all picked our top 10 horror novels. Well, that must Very be fun. Yeah, it was a good episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so sorry I missed Sadie's event yesterday. You have no idea. I was when I realized it was a half an hour over. When I lifted up my head, I I almost I was I was very angry. Where are you, um, you're in the zone? You're in the zone, man. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I was definitely in the zone. Um, but yeah, that sounds really great. Um, and a book I'm really looking forward to. So um, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm promising my listeners that I will work on having you back to talk about the book spoilers and all when to. I've read it. Um, so the, but the thing you're working on now or about to start working on the next big project is an, a, is your first feature film. And yeah. you, so I'm assuming the script is written It is. And you're ready to go. So now you're trying to raise the money to do this. So tell the folks first what this movie is about and what you're looking for for funding and how they can fund it. But let's start with what it's about. Sure. Uh, it's a psychological and supernatural horror film. It's a blend. It's got some surreal moments in there as well. Tiny bit of comedy. Um but just enough to like ease down the tension before it gets creepy again. So it's about a grieving widow, Mia, who is falsely put under house arrest. And she's serving out this house arrest term. Her new boyfriend, Mark, moves in with her and they start to encounter an entity that starts messing with them. And things start to get, you know, more aggressive and creepy as the film, well, the story goes on. And the thing is, Mia can't leave. She will get a worse sentence if she tries. That ankle bracelet will go off. Her, you know, parole officer will come down and, you know, maybe she goes to jail for five years instead of house arrest for one. Um, so it, it basically becomes a haunted house, almost survivalist film. And how does she get out of this? And how does she solve what's going on? Well, and of course, the first thing you have to solve in a haunted house story is why the fuck don't they just leave? Exactly. <laughs> you know, always got to have that. That's always the first thing a writer has to figure out when doing a haunted anything story. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, well, that sounds awesome. Um, so now in order to. Now so there are certain questions you're going to have to solve as, as a producer, like, are you going to find a location? Are you going to build a set for the interiors? Are you going to do those things? And all yeah. those things require a budget money. and money. So, um, you know, so you're raising money. Is this for pre-production or the whole deal? It's for everything. Um, I've, I've done a lot of development work 
and um, a fair amount of pre-production so far. And so basically what is needed is that I need to cast the rest of it. I need to book locations. So there will be probably no set building. The main location will be a rental and just going ahead and paying people to, to make this crazy shit happen, you know? <laughs> right, right. And um, so one of the reasons why um, filmmakers uh, do these things independently is to keep control of, over their product and their story and, and to do that. Um, I, you know, independence is a, a huge part of this, but are, is this a project that you might eventually shop to a different production company or distribution in the future? Or are you trying to hold on to this one yourself? Well, it's hard to say what's going to happen because, you know, when it's done, we'll submit to festivals. And from there, you know, um, at the same time, we'll also send it around to some sales agents. Um, and if you get a, a sales agent in early, um, they'll often have a lot of advice about which festivals that you play and, and things like that. So there's never a very straightforward path with film right. anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've got some people that do want to look at it when, uh, when it's done already. So, well, it, and you might be in a, in a really important time and niche too, because uh, <laughs> obviously there's there's a strike going on in Hollywood and, yeah. you know, people who are fulfilling the, the wishes of, of their, uh, uh, of the union demands are able to keep making movies at this time, but mm -hmm. also you're not beholden to a lot of those things because you are an independent filmmaker. Am I correct about that? Or is I'm absolutely independent. I'm so independent. I have to do everything myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, you know, is one of the reasons, but it's also, you know, it's a feature, not a bug, right? It's, right. it's, it's something that you can bring to the project, you know, to make sure that you maintain your vision and you don't have anybody fucking with you and all, right. all that. And the cool thing is, is about, well, one of the cool things is not only do we have creative control and final cut and all that is that for this crowdfunding campaign, one of the perks that I'm going to be doing is sort of giving everyone a, a back seat or sorry, backstage look at what goes on at indie filmmaking behind the scenes. And so um, I'll have production design, uh, production diaries and reports and um, cool little vignettes that I'll be sending to people. Uh, we'll have watch parties. Um, I'm sort of going to build a community and it's going to be really fun. Well, here's something else that I, I another way I'm going to sell this or pitch this is if you're a, a young woman out there who has always wanted to make horror movies, but hasn't figured out how to make them. Join us. Exactly. Help mm -hmm. fund this movie and follow along and participate in the community and, you know, be, a, you know, and, and learn from somebody who's made 20 plus movies, short films and gotten on the festival circuit and has has made her way this can be a really cheap film school for you guys yeah yeah exactly and um, i wish i had to start now man <laughs> yeah exactly now 
And so, Izzy, that gives you the potential, the ability to, I mean, obviously every film is like a calling card for you to, to do, um, you know, other work. Um, the, you know, then we have like, um, what's the woman's name who did the, the Fear Street movies? Eugeniak. Um, yeah. And so is this something that, I mean, would you want to do if, you know, this movie this movie gets funded it comes out you do a great job best case scenario do you want to work in established franchises or do you want to you know really one for depends. them one for us what, you know what, it really depends you know everyone has a different path and it's it's hard to say yes i will direct halloween movies where you know i i will never be in the room for any of that um because they already have their team um would I do a Halloween movie? Yeah, I fucking would. Would I do yeah. a Phantasm movie? Yeah, I fucking would. Although, you know, that's Don's only and he's wonderful and it should be his. Um, but yeah, I would love to do originals. I would love to do franchises. I would love to do, I just love it so fucking much. You know what I mean? Horror right. films are amazing. I'll do TV too, man. I'll, I would love to do episodes of Creep Show. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think that's one of the, you know, I would love to see you do that stuff too. So like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview to support your, your mm -hmm. crowdfunding campaign this way is because I want people to help you make this so you can get further. And I think that people need to look at that as, um, you know, it's not just, you know, donating to this individual film, but it's also like, you know, voting with your dollars that, you know, mm -hmm. Izzy Lee is a filmmaker that I would like to see, like, you know, doing, um, you know, things with more money where she doesn't, you know, have to scrape it together like this, right? It's fine if you have to, because it's a great lesson to learn. And a lot of our favorite filmmakers, those ones we were talking about earlier, they scraped together a whole bunch of movies when they were starting, right? Yeah, so um it's not like you know john carpenter was made of money when he made dark star right right <laughs> or assaulted pre-613 which is also which, so great which is also so great and look at i mean george romero was fighting to scrape together money to make movies throughout his entire life right which is a tragedy yeah yeah and um so it's not a reflection um on the um inability to raise money of these writers it's that you know right place right time and what's really exciting about this campaign is that people are in the right place in the right time to make this film happen right fingers crossed i hope you're right because i've been asked i can't even tell you how many years when i'm gonna make a feature and it's not for lack of trying it's not for lack of pitching yeah it is lack of somebody stepping up and being first and i've come close so many times like heartbreakingly sure. close yeah and it's um it's the life of a creative so finally i'm just like look at it, enough <laughs> I well, heartbreakingly close is the is the story of successful filmmakers like half of the things they've written are heartbreakingly close so yes um, but we have the chance to make this movie happen. And so the best case scenario, okay, so 
Um, so where are, where, where's going to be the home for this campaign? Um, I'm sure by the time it comes out, I'll have links to everything in my show yeah. notes, but. Thank you. Yes, it'll be on Kickstarter and we don't have a page URL yet um, to talk about, but it will be made very soon. And by the time it does come out, yes, you will have the link. And you guys have a mood reel you've put together to show like some yes. of the influences and things yep. that, that, you know, styles you kind of want to go for. Yeah. And that's a pretty industry standard thing. And um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting too, because I, what, what I think um, for me, like I, I, I thought that was very important because even if knowing the story, like, you know, I, I get a sense of, um, or got a sense from the mood reel that, um, you know, that this was going to be a pretty hardcore horror film, not just, um, you know, that, that you were going for hardcore scares in this movie. Yeah, I, um, I love being scared by a film and it's pretty rare for that to happen. I'm one of those horror junkies where I'm always sort of searching for the next fix and it's super, super hard to scare me. And so I want to freak people out with my own movies <laughs> and I cannot wait to do so. Well, and there's a lot of suspense and different kinds of horrific mechanic mechanical parts that you can, I love the, the um, small scale, like horror built into like a small set or a small area because that forces the filmmakers and writers to be really creative about things. And um, of course, that also <laughs> makes production easier <laughs> at the same time. So that's why we get a lot of those. Um, but I think that the setup that you have here is, has great potential for, for um, to be claustrophobic and frightening and, um, and, you know, something I'm really looking forward to. So uh, when are you hoping to be shooting this by? Like, what's the uh, best case scenario for- I would like i'm trying to wrap production up by new year's eve so we'll be shooting in either november and or december and um wow so this is coming quick it's coming quick because i am impatient i've waited long enough damn it <laughs> and, yes, and my you team have together the, so you must have the pre-production ready to go and like a lot of it thought out a lot of it oh yeah the the I, I I spend a lot of time thinking about this movie and um, there's still a lot more to go but we have a bedrock solid solid foundation. I've got my my cinematographer Sophia Cacciola, who's shot Rehome and Meet Friend, and uh, Memento Mori as a matter of fact, um, and mm. her husband Michael J Epstein will be my editor and sound recordist and mixer, and um, we've made so many things together either with their projects or mine and um that goes back to our boston days you know and right. uh we have we have a short form and um they are used to working with me and like likewise and we can shoot fast so that sounds forward. awesome all right izzy uh this was a really great conversation is there anything else that you want well people should find um your production company online too is one of yeah. the ways they can find your stuff um so can you tell people how, how to find you 
Sure. So I'm going to spell this as well because it's Latin because I'm difficult and gothic like that. Nihilnoctum.com, N-I-H-I-L-N-O-C-T-E-M.com, which literally translates to nothing night um, because <laughs> I describe myself as a recovering nihilist. And there will be information on the Kickstarter there as well as information on some of the shorts and uh, I'll have to add a page for the book as well. Uh, Dark Matter Inc. is where you can find, I can see your lies for pre-order. And nice. Oh, the pre-order's already up, huh? Oh, pre-order's up, man. Yeah, we've already got some orders and um, more to come. I'm really excited. Awesome, that's really cool. And when does that come out exactly? Yeah. February 13th, February 2024. 13th. Oh, yeah. awesome. All right. Well, I hope you have something really fun uh, planned for uh, book release day for your book party. So, uh, <laughs> but I guess you'll be thinking about the movie at that point. <laughs> think about all the things. Yeah. Well, way to keep busy. Um, <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, um, Izzy, this was awesome. Thank you so much for telling us about like the craft and the work that you do. Um. I don't, for my listeners, I don't know what's coming up next because I don't know when in the pipeline I'm going to do this. So I can't preview anything. Um, I'm just, I'm being honest with y'all out there. So, um, but uh, I know uh, we've got some fun panels and fun things coming up um, with some classic 50 science fiction uh, novels that we're going to be covering soon. So you can look forward to that. Um, Izzy, I definitely will have you back when your book comes out. It sounds awesome. I love L.A. Noir. And if you take L.A. Noir, Demon Possession Story, and make it a <laughs> you have got uh, a reader in me. So uh, I will make that happen. Um, so yeah. let's, so everybody out there, um, support Izzy's campaign. If you don't have the money to donate at this time, spread it around and make sure other people who do have the money um can support um this awesome film and i can't wait to see it um hopefully on the big screen soon um and uh it, it's up to us to fund it and to spread the word so thank you izzy thank you so much this is so fun i can't wait to be back <laughs> all right all right, later, folks.